You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I go by Brent Spirit, and this is part 7 of the ongoing series on Kundalini Awakening. Today, we're speaking about the signs and quote-unquote symptoms of the Kundalini transformation. Be sure to check out the previous parts of this series to learn some of the fundamental principles and practices when it comes to going through this process safely and smoothly. You can also find the text version of this series on my blog at brentspirit.com. Up until part 6, there are videos on YouTube as well. Moving forward, I'll be foregoing the video component of this series. Producing those videos is a very inefficient process for me right now, and by opting just for audio and text, I can publish these episodes more quickly for you all. Of course, you can still find the audio on YouTube though. Check out brentspirit.com to find out more about me, my work, and about meeting with me one-on-one to discuss your specific spiritual journey and challenges. Now, let's dive into this episode all about the signs of a kundalini awakening transformation. Enjoy. So in this section, I'll be sharing some of the most common signs of a kundalini process. I won't necessarily be speaking in detail on managing those experiences. For more insight on how to support your kundalini process, please see the previous parts of this series. In the title of this content, I've referred to the symptoms of kundalini awakening. Please note that I don't really feel that some of these experiences are symptoms per se, because I don't see them as a problem. Kundalini is not a sickness with symptoms. Kundalini is a beautiful unfolding with different signs and experiences that go along with it. So I've used the word symptom in the title here so that those who search for keywords like kundalini symptoms can easily find this work. Often, when I'm in touch with seekers in sessions or over email that are undergoing a kundalini process, they approach me as if the phenomena they're experiencing is a problem. They say things like, my body is moving spontaneously, my appetite for food and my sex drive are changing, I no longer enjoy my work, sometimes I feel energy moving in my head, how can I make all of this stop? And while they're sharing their experience with me, I think of the thousands of yogis throughout history that dedicated their whole lives trying to awaken kundalini, often unsuccessfully. And here I have someone who has, by grace, been blessed with the kundalini awakening and somehow thinks their experiences are symptoms of something going wrong. This is like a caterpillar thinking that something is going terribly wrong because they suddenly have an irresistible urge to build and enter a cocoon. There are many interesting signs of a kundalini process underway. They aren't problems per se. They are simply indications of a deep transformation that is taking place. One doesn't need to figure out how to turn them off, decrease their frequency, or stop them altogether. One needs to understand what is happening and how to work in cooperation with the kundalini so that the transformation can be carried out successfully. With that said, there are certain experiences that one can be faced with which may be symptomatic of a neglected kundalini process. For example, excessive alcohol use can lead to very challenging experiences on both the physical and non-physical planes within the context of a kundalini transformation. Or, as mentioned in the previous section about maintaining energetic balance, one may feel intense anxiety, mania, or even completely disconnected from their body, 
If this goes on for too long without any proper practices to correct it, then we can refer to these challenges as symptoms which must be addressed accordingly. However, much of what people may consider to be a symptom, such as spontaneous movements, known as kriyas, are not in fact symptoms, challenges, or problems to be solved. They are a natural part of any healthy and supported kundalini process. So before I share some of the signs of a kundalini awakening, I want to let you know that it's not always ideal to figure out for yourself whether you're dealing with the kundalini awakening or not simply by comparing your experience to a list of the common signs of a kundalini process. If possible, find someone who is advanced on this path and get their insight before you get too ahead of yourself and start to use kundalini awakening as an excuse for some of the challenges that you may be faced with in your life. Some of these signs can absolutely overlap with different mental illnesses, physical ailments, or even just common everyday experiences. It's important to try and get as clear as you can when determining whether you're experiencing kundalini phenomena or something else altogether. So there are signs of the kundalini process that are very obvious, and there are some that are more subtle. I'll do my best here to outline as many as I can, but note that this is not an exhaustive list. I'll discuss some of these phenomena more in depth in later sections of this series as well. The most obvious sign of a kundalini rising would be an experience during which a person undergoes an inner explosion of what could be understood to be spiritual energy rising from the root chakra up the spinal column known as the Shushamna Nadi to the top of the head at the crown chakra. This is the most classic sign of a kundalini awakening. It happens in an instant and can bring about extreme bliss, mystical phenomena, experiences of oneness, ego death, and the like. However, this is rather rare and most who undergo a kundalini awakening process won't necessarily have this type of instantaneous inner explosion up the spinal column. Conversely, some can experience a similar phenomena during which there is a downward flow of spiritual energy from the crown into the rest of the body. This is known as a top-down awakening. Similarly, a person can experience the inner radiance of spiritual energy from the heart center too. These explosive type experiences are often triggered as a result of very intense spiritual practice and emotional upheaval and healing. They normally don't happen completely out of nowhere. But beyond these three explosive type experiences, there are other more subtle signs of a kundalini rising. And not all of these signs or experiences need to be present within the kundalini process. Not everyone will experience them all. Remember, the kundalini process is highly individualized, though of course there are certain common themes. I'll begin with using the five senses to list off some signs of a kundalini process. So these signs can show up from time to time, just once, or they can be rather constant. It varies for each individual. So we may begin to see either in our mind's eye or with our eyes open, different mystical phenomena such as auras, flashes of light, spiritual beings, angels, non-physical entities, UFOs, and the like. We can also begin to have visions, inwardly or outwardly, of different spiritual planes, the future, the past, various symbolic and archetypal depictions, and so on. In our daily lives, we may begin to see synchronicity appearing all around us at alarming rates, Sometimes it can become so intense that it may be overwhelming as we try to interpret it. Remember that whenever we see synchronicity, it all ultimately boils down to a clear sign from the universe that we're on the right track. We may begin to hear spontaneous mantras being chanted, such as Om. 
Some mantras may be traditional ones, such as Om Namah Shivaya, or the seed mantras of the chakras. Other mantras may be some that have never been heard or expressed before. At times, we can hear an inner voice, often guiding us, reassuring us, or offering insight and wisdom. Sometimes we can hear ringing in our ears, the buzzing of bees, or celestial music. When we hear these things, just like with seeing synchronicity, they are signs that we're on the right track and to keep going. We might begin to smell certain wonderful fragrances that aren't coming from anything in our environment. We may also get a taste of a sweet nectar from time to time as well. When it comes to feeling, we can feel many new things. We may feel energy flowing through our system, either subtly or very intensely. We might have body spasms, tremors, jolts, and zaps of energy. We could feel subtle pressure in certain areas of our body, such as our head or our heart. Occasionally, we might feel shifts in temperature. We can feel a warmth radiating from our heart, for example. We can also just feel a general sense of hot or cold for no apparent reason. It's very likely as well to experience tingling all over the skin, sometimes too. We'll definitely begin to feel deep emotions and to have the urge to express them by crying, laughing, dancing, and so on. We can also begin to feel incredible unconditional love for God, for nature, for ourselves, for others, and for the world. We might feel bliss even in the midst of uncomfortable emotions or experiences. This bliss can be subtle or it can be intense, and it can come and it can go. We can feel a spontaneous urge to move our bodies in certain ways. So these are known as kriyas. Kriyas involve our system being spontaneously moved in subtle or profound ways by the kundalini shakti within us. They serve to heal and transform our systems on many levels. So we may find ourselves finding the irresistible urge to enter into certain yoga poses, also known as asanas. Sometimes they're advanced poses that we wouldn't have been able to enter the day before due to a lack of strength or flexibility. And then when the Kriya has come and gone, we may no longer be able to enter that pose again. So some Kriyas involve spontaneous vocalizations of mantras, sacred sounds, prayers, and the like. Other Kriyas may involve the spontaneous movement of the hands into certain energetic gestures known as mudras. Sometimes we can find ourselves spontaneously breathing in unusual ways, known as spontaneous pranayama. We could also experience spontaneous bandhas, also known as body locks, such as drawing the pelvic floor upwards, for example. So there are many types of kriyas, and they are nothing to be afraid of. They are signs that the kundalini is active and working to release trauma and heal us. So though they can be intense at times, and sometimes they can happen in public in front of other people, it's important not to feel as if there's something wrong when we experience kriyas. When we look at modern day yoga practices, such as a series of postures or pranayama exercises, all of these practices did not originate from anyone's mind or ego. Nobody sat down and developed these practices themselves. These practices were initially observed occurring spontaneously to people in the midst of a kundalini process. They were then recorded and copied by others. So genuine yoga practices are all actually spontaneous kriyas guided from the kundalini within. So when you're experiencing kriyas, know that you're experiencing the real practice of yoga, which cannot be bought or sold. So as we begin to work with kundalini, 
We may experience sudden, sometimes drastic shifts in our diet and appetite. We may feel called to fast, to eat certain unusual foods, to eat things we don't normally eat, in some cases, meat. At other times, we may feel called to cut out things like meat. The Kundalini requires certain foods to support our system as we go through the process, and it can guide us to those foods if we're able to tune in, surrender, and to listen. So we can also experience extreme fatigue, exhaustion, dizziness, lightheadedness, or insomnia. So these experiences, though difficult, they do serve a higher purpose within the context of the Kundalini process. Sometimes the reasons aren't always clear. We can manage these challenges with the grounding techniques and the six guiding principles as shared in parts two and three of this series. One clear sign of a kundalini process is the ability to access deep states of meditation, sometimes spontaneously. So we can find ourselves going into meditative, peaceful, still states of consciousness while we're engaging in everyday tasks. We can also find that we can easily access states of no mind and samadhi in meditation too. These states may not always be accessible. The ability to reach them can come and go before being stabilized at advanced stages of the path where they will always be accessible, generally speaking. We may also feel a strong, insatiable urge to meditate. It will feel just like the need to eat or sleep, and at times we may want to do nothing but meditate no matter what. It's important to find the time and the space to honor these impulses. We may also begin to feel a strong spiritual connection to God, to Source, or to nature. We may begin to feel an emotional connection and want to express that through acts of devotion, such as prayer, mantras, or our own form of worship. So this may seem unusual to some who may not have had uh, necessarily a strong devotional approach to their spirituality. Some may have considered themselves to be atheists, and yet they may feel a new and deep longing to connect with something greater than themselves. Whatever the inclination, it's important to respect and honor these inner movements. What our mind once thought it understood about life, reality, philosophy, religion, God, and spirituality may start to fall away as direct experiences trump our previous notions. Just like how we may long to be close to God, we may also long to be in nature. Of course, this is healthy and normal. We may want to get out of the city and to spend time in nature even if it's something that we never really had any interest in before. Mother Nature is synonymous with the Divine Mother Kundalini Shakti. They are one. In nature, we go to be recharged and rejuvenated. Nature can teach us lessons and help us if we're willing to pay attention to it. Nature can help us to maintain energetic balance during the turbulent times of Kundalini awakening. Another sign of a Kundalini process underway is that we may begin to feel a deep, insatiable urge to create in some form or another. So it may be writing, painting, dancing, speaking, building, singing, or sharing in our own way. We may be divinely inspired to channel forth poetry, art, and the like. So it's important that we make time and space to let these expressions come forth. They are healing. They are the gifts that the Kundalini wishes to share with not only us as individuals, but also with others too. So it's very important to understand that the kundalini process is ultimately a healing process. We may come to a point in our lives where we see that the only effective means of attaining success, peace, happiness, and a meaningful life is by healing the pains of our past. 
As we come to this point, we become very aware of our trauma and addressing it becomes a top priority. The Kundalini will support us in this endeavor by bringing up bottled up trauma and conditioning to the surface of our awareness so that we can release it with unconditional love. This can look like purging and it can be quite challenging at times, but it is absolutely necessary for a successful spiritual unfolding. Throughout this process, we may also feel strong urges to be of service to others. We may want to help in so many profound and meaningful ways, even though that may not have been something that meant a lot to us before. So as the heart begins to open and the ego begins to thin, we see that we are all one, and that to serve and heal the world is to serve and heal ourselves too. So we may suddenly find ourselves looking for ways to offer our gifts to others. As we advance through the kundalini process, our small sense of self, our tiny ego, which we once identified with, starts to be seen as nothing more than a mask, a character, an illusion. As this realization dawns, which can happen instantly or gradually, we begin to recognize that we are really one with Source, or the Self, with a capital S. So this can bring about experiences of ego death and the realization of our true nature as non-dual awareness, which can be incredibly profound and transformative. Now, let's talk about dreams. Throughout the Kundalini journey, our dreams are likely to take on new mystical and vivid qualities. We may begin to dream of very strong spiritual themes, symbology, and motifs. We may have encounters with known divine figures, such as ascended masters. We may also dream of meeting beings that we cannot recognize, but who are certainly highly evolved due to the radiance we feel coming from them and the blessings, insight, transmissions, and gifts which they offer us. We may dream of snakes, a very common archetype of the kundalini that has been firmly lodged within the collective unconscious of all of humanity. The snakes may try to bite us, chase us, or eat us, and we may run in fear. This is all suggestive of the transformative, all-consuming quality of the kundalini process. The old version of ourselves must have to die before we can be reborn. This death involves being consumed by the kundalini, by the snake, just as a cocoon consumes the caterpillar. Fear is normal, but it must be overcome as we surrender to our death and rebirth process. We shed our skin like a snake, revealing a new version of ourselves. Similarly, we may also encounter other animals, such as cats, in our dreams. Cats are also representative of the divine feminine, just as the snakes are. Dreams are very important and significant, and if you feel called, keep a dream journal. Another sign of a kundalini process underway is a shift in libido. So for some, the libido will rise to insatiable levels. In these cases, it's important to learn how to manage this energy and channel it into creative outlets. For others, the sex drive may become completely depleted. This can be alarming, but it's nothing to worry about in either case. Stability will come eventually. Another sign is that we may become solely interested in spiritual matters as we walk the path of the kundalini process. We may find that the things that we once got excited about no longer interest us, and we may be only concerned with spiritual development, reading spiritual books, having spiritual conversations, and the like. This is something that can take some adjustment, but it should be honored without fear. Eventually, once you've consumed enough spiritual material and immerse yourself in the path without distraction, you will likely be called back into worldly endeavors once again. 
Another important thing to know about is that along the Kundalini path, at times for some people, certain dormant psychic abilities begin to awaken and come online. These are known as Siddhis. There are many different kinds. We may begin to see the future, to see the past, or to have out-of-body experiences, to manifest objects and situations instantly, to read minds, and so on. These are fascinating experiences, but they can be sticky traps. It's important to use these experiences to learn and understand more about oneself and the nature of reality, and then to move ahead on the journey without attachment to them. Remember, the Kundalini Awakening journey is not about attaining superhuman powers. It's about recognizing that we are divine and connected to all. It's about embodying this recognition moment to moment, all while remaining relatable and human. Lastly, one of the clearest signs of a kundalini unfolding is a genuine interest in the topic of kundalini itself. Something about it will call us and intrigue us. We may become extremely fascinated with it and want to consume as much information about it as we can. Typically, those who have a strong interest in these matters are likely to begin working with kundalini in some capacity. Those who are not yet ready for an awakening will not be very interested in these matters, generally speaking. They may be temporarily curious, and then they will move on. Or they may be overly critical and scoff at it, and then move on. But those who are committed to the exploration of this topic are likely dealing with a kundalini process, or they will sometime soon. So these are just some of the most common experiences and signs of a kundalini process. There are certainly more nuanced phenomena that I have omitted for now. If you've been experiencing some of these signs, then it may be worth exploring further to better understand your experience and whether you're in the midst of a kundalini awakening. If you're looking for answers, seek out the guidance of those who have attained advanced stages of the kundalini process themselves. And please remember that no matter what sort of experiences you have, as I've said many times, the process is highly individualized and everyone's path is unique when it comes to the specifics. However, the general themes of the journey are well documented, and so no matter how unusual things get for you, there's no need to worry. Kundalini is a beautiful process. These are signs of an incredible gift of spiritual transformation taking place, not symptoms of a sickness to be cured. So if you have any questions about your kundalini process, if you would like to meet with me, you can find out more at brentspirit.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram, at brentspirit as well. So in the next part of the series, I'll be discussing what to really expect once a kundalini process reaches relative completion. You can look forward to that. And until next time, much love, peace.